<laughs> we are glad that you're here. Our lesson for tonight follows our theme of walking through the Bible. We're still walking through the Bible. Um, well, I'd tell you just a, a short story uh, a few weeks ago at the Christian school. We had a staff meeting. Now, I was coming out of the staff meeting. We had about 20 minutes before we had to go anywhere. And I ran into Tim Lavender, who's the former minister of the Smyrna Church of Christ. He's still a member there. He still works with them. He still has an office there. And uh, so he asked me, are you still doing some preaching? Yeah. He said, hey, you need any material? And apparently he's trying to get rid of some books. A little bit here and there. And so... Even though I really didn't need any books, I was like, well, go take a look and see what he's got. And so I liked the way he did it because he asked me, well, do you have anything you're studying? And so I told him what we were studying on Sunday morning. And, and I told him something that Dad was looking for to see if he had anything like it. And I said, and we're walking through the Bible on Sunday night. Said, walking through the Bible, huh? How about this? And he gave me a notebook. And it's a whole, a whole notebook of material, 52 lessons that go all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So I started out on my own, but now I've got something to go on. And uh, so I, I use that a little bit to, uh, to form my lesson for tonight. But we're looking at Exodus. We're in the third lesson on Exodus. We kind of took a, a break a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had a lesson that was basically dealing with the Passover. Uh, this gets right back into where we left off in the book of Exodus. And just to give you kind of a, a brief outline of, of what Exodus is and, and what we find in the book, we find, first of all, the Exodus, the actual Exodus of the people in chapters 1 through 18. And just to break that down, chapter 1 is the enslavement of God's people. Chapters 2 through 4 deal with the deliverer, their deliverance. Uh, chapters 5 through 13, you have the 10 plagues and the Passover, which is, is where we left off. And so we pick up tonight with chapters 14 through 18, the Hebrews' early freedom. And then you have uh, the chapters that deal with the law, chapters 19 through 24, and chapters 25 through 40 that deal with the tabernacle. And so we'll get to those a little bit later on. Um, but tonight, basically, we're going to spend most of our time on the, their, their basic, the, the freedom that they, they received. They got away from Egypt, and we, we deal with what happened immediately following. The book of Exodus, is, Exodus itself is so named because it chronicles the Israelites' exit from Egypt. And I think we can kind of see the correlation between Exodus and Exit. Um, the, the fact that they were set free. It, it deals with redemption, the redemption of God's people uh, and how they were redeemed, how they were set free from their bondage. And as we look at Exodus, we know that Moses is the author. From what we read of in the New Testament, there is evidence there that speaks of Moses writing these books. Uh, for instance, Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. Luke 24 and verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses. Uh, 
and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so as we are looking at Exodus, it is one of the books of Moses. Uh, we believe that he wrote the first five books of the Bible. Uh, John 5 verses 46 through 47 uh, is worded very similarly. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Even in those first five books, we have reference made to the coming Christ. And so we do believe that Moses is the writer of not only Genesis, but also Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we'll, we'll get to those in the course of time, Lord willing. But tonight, we uh, again, we turn our attention back to the Exodus. And we are looking at the Hebrews' early freedom. And what happened following their escape from Egypt. We are looking at chapters 14 through 18. And as we look at Israel, because of their obedience, this kind of goes back to uh, kind of before we left off, just to kind of catch you up a little bit. Uh, but because of their obedience, God set His children free from their bondage by allowing them to cross the Red Sea. God promised to lead His people. He, he says that He has not forgotten them. And so He sends Moses and, and the ten plagues are a sign for Egypt to show that these are God's people and that they need to let them go. And finally, after the, the plague of the death of the firstborn, we see that they are allowed to leave. Pharaoh gives them permission. But Pharaoh doesn't hold to that permission. And he decides that he's made a mistake. And so he gathers his men and they try to follow God's people. When they come to the Red Sea, God allows the waters to be parted. Um, in Exodus chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Hahirath, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot, and took his people with him. Also he took six hundred choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness so the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hahirath before Baal-Zephon. As we come to the Red Sea, and as we see what God is going to do here, 
This is the first test of Israel's faith. I don't know that I had really thought of it uh, until I was studying for this lesson. But it is a test of their faith. To see how they're going to react. And uh, for them to see how God takes care of their problem. Well, we pick up in verse 10. Verse 10 of Exodus 14. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Their faith was tested. When they saw their enemy coming after them, they were afraid. They were afraid. It reminds me, a little bit later on, as we get into the book of Numbers, we'll look at uh, Joshua and Caleb, and we'll look at the, the twelve spies, and and we see that they went to spy out the land and, and not all the spies were in complete agreement, were they? You had two that said, we are well able to go into this land and de- to defeat this enemy and take over. But then you had the ten spies that said, we saw the same thing, but we, we're not able to take on those people. And what was the problem? I, I remember doing a lesson on it. And one of the problems was with their vision. Not that they, they physically had problems with their vision. But when Joshua and Caleb looked at the land, they looked at the, the people of the land, they saw the power of God. They saw what God could do for them. When the other ten spies looked at the land and they looked at the people, they didn't see what God could do for them, but they saw instead what they could not do for themselves. And that's exactly what Israel is seeing now. As they're at the Red Sea and and they have nowhere that they can go and they see the enemy pursuing them, that's all they see. They can't see the power of God that is able to deliver them. But they're about to see His power. They're about to witness it for themselves In verse 21 of Exodus 14, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels, so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Couldn't they have realized that in ten plagues? 
Couldn't they have realized that before? But they realized it now. That God was fighting their battle. Verse 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots. The horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. Not so much as one. But despite the fact that their enemy had been overthrown, it would not be the last time that Israel grumbled against Moses. And against God. As a matter of fact, we're going to see it uh, very close here in a moment. But for the moment, at least for this moment, seeing the power of God, seeing the power of God to, to part the waters, seeing the power of God to bring them back upon the Egyptians to, to finish off their enemies, the ones that were pursuing them, for that moment, they recognized the source of their salvation. The source of their redemption. Exodus 14 verses 30 and 31. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Majority of chapter 15 is a song of praise for the victory given to them by God. And it details the, the things that they had gone through. But before the close of chapter 15, we have this song of praise. God has delivered us. Let us praise Him. And before the close of the chapter, the faith of God's people is tested once again. Let's pick up with verse 22 of Exodus 15. Verse 22 of Exodus 15. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he, God, tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. What God is telling them is trust me. As long as you trust me, as long as you obey, as long as you keep my commandments, I'll be with you. 
In verse 27, Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. Had they already forgotten the power of God? Had they already forgotten the power that they had experienced, the, the power that they had witnessed firsthand? And yet, they complained once again when there was no food for them to eat. Pick up with Exodus 16 and beginning with verse 1. Exodus 16 and verse 1. And they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. God had promised to be with them. And yet they forgot. Oh, how quickly they forget. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth, sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in. And it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the people or to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what, and what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Given instructions on how to gather some, still did not obey. The Sabbath was holy, so they were to keep what was left from the day before, yet some failed to do so. They went out to gather, and there was nothing to gather. They were not to gather more than they were commanded, but some did, and it spoiled before the next day. That was God telling them that they needed to obey. But God took care of His people. It was a great sign to them that God would give them manna, would give them quail. The manna was to be kept as a remembrance of the deliverance of the people and God's care for them in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 16, verses 32 through 35 Exodus 16, verses 32 through 35. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness. When I brought you out of the land of Egypt, Moses 
said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna forty years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 2 through 5. Here we read of the tabernacle. Hebrews 9, verse 2. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the, the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold. And notice what was in this tabernacle, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These things were kept as a remembrance. As a remembrance of God's deliverance of the people. Of God's care for the people. God loved His people. And He did take care of them. Even when they couldn't see it. Even when they complained against Him. God took care of them. And it almost seems that no matter what God did, they still found ways to murmur and complain against Him. Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7, here they complained again for lack of water. Exodus 17 and verse 1, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 5, Go on before the people and take with you some of, some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and the water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? God tested His people, but He did not tempt them. But the people tempted the Lord. 
by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? They were tempting Him to do something great. He did do something great on their behalf. But God once again provided for His people. Now there is a later similar occurrence of these events that would prove to be a true test of Moses' patience with the people. In Numbers chapter 20, I believe it is. But we'll get into that later on. We won't go there tonight. But not only did God provide for His people, He provided them with deliverance from their enemies, the Egyptians. He provided them with food. He provided them with water. He took care of His people. And even beyond that, we see that God provided Israel with victory in battle against the Amalekites. In Exodus 17, beginning with verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Why would God have Moses to go out with this rod and, and to hold his hands up during this battle? And why was it that the people won whenever he was doing that and, and they began to lose when he did not? There were many ways that God fought battles for his people, but in such ways that they could not say that they had defeated their enemies on their own. It was a way of, of God making sure that they understood that they needed Him. And Israel developed a reputation, as we read uh, a little bit later on in, in the next few books, they had developed a reputation among the peoples around them that God fights their battles, that God is a true God, and God is powerful, their God, the God of the Israelites. God made a promise here to blot out Amalek from remembrance. And this, this promise is restated in Deuteronomy 25 and verse 19. We find that war with Amalek was reported into the days of Saul and David and into the days of Hezekiah. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 41 through 43... 1 Chronicles 4, 
41 through 43. These recorded by name came in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and they attacked their tents and the, the Mayanites who were found there and utterly destroyed them, as it is to this day. So they dwelt in their place because there was pasture for the flocks there. Now some of them, 500 men of the sons of Simeon, went to Mount Seir, having as their captains Pelatiah, Neriah, Rephiah, and Uziel, the sons of Ishai. In verse 43, And they defeated the rest of the Amalekites who had escaped. They have dwelt there to this day. I believe this is the last mention that we have of Amalek. And so we see that God kept His promise. And the final thing that we read in in these chapters, in chapters 14 through 18, before we get into the books of the law, or the chapters of the law, we read that in acceptance of the advice offered by Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, judges were appointed to aid Moses as judge over Israel. In Exodus 18, and beginning with verse 17, Exodus 18 and verse 17, So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. In verse 24, So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Jethro recognized the limitations of one man. He recognized the the limitations of Moses. He, He was trying to do everything himself. And so he suggested that he appoint appoint judges over the people. And so Moses did to help him with the burdens that he was to bear. And we'll stop there and we'll pick up there, Lord willing, next week. But just looking back at our lesson for tonight and looking at the early freedom of the Israelites and how God delivered them, how God redeemed His people, we find that Israel failed on multiple occasions to put their full trust in God. God 
is a powerful God. He is a mighty God. Even after crossing the Red Sea, even after God provided for them, He provided food for them, He provided water for them, in miraculous ways, ways that, that, that we couldn't do on our own as humans, that they couldn't do. And even after all of this, they complained. But sometimes, might it be that we also complain and murmur against God, uh, against the God that has blessed us so richly, He's given us great blessings. He has taken care of us. He has provided for our needs. Brother Hugh had a great lesson at the nursing home this afternoon on not worrying and the importance of not worrying because God takes care of us. He takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And yet, we fail to put our trust in Him. We have example after example in Scripture of God caring for His people. Why would we think that He would care for us any less than He did for Israel? Any less than He does for His creation? It's a good reminder that sometimes we need to count our blessings. Name them one by one. And when we count our blessings, we'll realize how much God has done for us. We can maybe see how much God can do for us in the future. We also need to recognize here the power of God. The power that God used to part the Red Sea, to provide for His people, to provide Israel with victory, it is the same power that He possesses today. God has not given up any of that power he still has the same authority. Though he may not use his power the same way he once did, and, and maybe not as openly as he did with his people back in the days of the Old Testament, God is still a powerful God. He is still a mighty God. He's the same mighty God that we can put our trust in today. And this power... And authority that God possesses will one day be used to destroy the world that we know. As is promised in 2 Peter chapter 3. He has the power to do so. We have the warning. And it's not for us to, to count God as slack and concerning His promise. He, he is going to fulfill His promise and we are told to be ready. Remember that God is unwilling that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. We need to be ready for the final judgment day. And so I leave you with that lesson tonight. And maybe it is that you need to respond to the Lord's invitation. Maybe you need to obey. Maybe you need to come back. But if you do have any need whatsoever, we want you to respond in, in the right way.
We want you to be right with God tonight. If you stand outside of Christ in some way, if you need to come or to come back, then we give you the opportunity as together we stand and sing the song of invitation. Number 305.